Hi there, my name is John Paul Kermy. I am a breathwork teacher. I train people on how to teach breathwork as well. I'm really excited to be doing this new podcast with my good friend Feldy called Hangups, where we're going to help you change your life. We're going to show you how to transform your life with different tools. That's right. I'm John Feldman. I'm in a band called Goldfinger. John Paul taught me breathwork. It changed my life. I have struggled with anxiety and depression throughout my life, and I've gotten through it. This is a solution-based show. We're talking about solutions to problems today. Okay, super excited today. We have Manon Matthews on. Manon is an actress, comedian, author, producer. I think she's also a dancer. I watched this like uh, Instagram clip of you dancing and the moves were ridiculous. So we're super excited to have her on today. She's, uh, she's got a new book out. It's called Funny How It Works Out. Funny How It Works Out, right? And yes, tell us about the book. Let's hear about yeah, it. Yeah, well, the title is implying that it'll be funny, but and that also it will work out. And so, first of all, hi, and thank you for having me. I love seeing both of your faces. Um, I've known you both for a long time. Not deeply, but I've, I've known you. I know you, right? Um, but yeah, the book's about my life um, in the sense that it's about there's addiction in there, there's heartbreak, betrayal, there's a lot about social media and how I, how I came up on that, stand up, and then there's like lessons, 30 lessons in the, in the back of how you can take care of yourself. And I love that. 30 lessons in the back, how you can take care of yourself. So this podcast is about like sort of taking care of yourself, mental health. Feldy and I are big on all, I mean, we try anything from cold plunge to breath work to like, I mean, I'll put coconut oil in my eyes. I don't give a shit, whatever I have to do, if it's going to make me feel I'm better. I'm glad you said eyes. <laughs> I know, I was, thinking, I was thinking the sriracha somewhere else, but or whatever, the tiger balm. But yeah, well, awesome. Yeah, you know, I joke with people now, like there was a time in my life where I once put cocaine in my eyes and I rubbed it in, you know, it shoots in my head. And I woke up the next morning, my eyes were crusted shut and I thought I was blind. And now I'm like, wait, does that have gluten in it? Cause it's gonna make me bloated. So I can't do that. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm the same exact way. The stuff I used to put in my body is absurd. I don't even know how I'm still alive. And now, yeah, I'm the same. I'm like, well, what's the sugar content? If it's above six grams, I really can't, shouldn't participate <laughs> because I will have a, a sugar hangover and turn into a, a lunatic because, you know, sugar. Dude, this guy, this, this guy I was writing with um, last week, he was like, I'm done with cocaine. I'm just, I'm just going to do whippets from here on out. I'm just done with cocaine, <laughs> only whippets. I'm like, I get it. I fucking get it. What's a whippet? A whip is like, you know, when you do the nitrous oxide, like if you have a whip, can of whipped cream and oh. you huff in just yeah. the air, that's, that's like nitrous oxide. Yeah, those it's are the balloons. Whip, so. We used to do the balloons where you take like a CO2 canister and you put it in this thing and it would fill up a giant balloon and then you'd suck it in and your brain would be, it burns more brain cells than anything. It's probably yeah, why I, I have no memory. I think no they memory. used to call it Nas. Yes. Is that, is yeah. that a thing? Yeah, I remember yeah, exactly. being at a party and they're like, we're doing Nas. And I'm like, what? I just don't, I only... <laughs> time I've sucked the balloon is when the, to change my voice and had a blast with that but does that that's not the same thing helium no is not that's, not, that's helium no yeah 
my mom my mom used to buy like cans of whipped cream and then she'd try and make like a pie and it would be like <laughs> there'd be no air in it because I would just suck it all out yeah my I worked at a mother. restaurant where like an entire case of whipped cream was used up like that and the owner flipped out and just was screaming at everyone in the kitchen and he was like who did it and it was like everyone we're all fucking addicts in here the whole staff is an addict and an alcoholic it was insane you couldn't point fingers so yeah, so on the show, we like to talk about crazy times and also, but mainly mental health stuff. Like, what are you doing today to take care of yourself? You know, because we, we have, you know, all, I think all three of us have been sober a bit and we found tools along the way. And what tools do you use and, you know, what do you recommend to people? And so. Yeah. Well, apart from your breathwork class that I participated in. <laughs> Last yeah, Manon just did my class last week. She actually, we were talking before we started, she came to a class years ago in my garage back in the old days, right? And Feldy was like the first guy I ever did a session on. So Feldy's been like one of my disciples from for eight years now. So it's crazy. And he makes all his artists do it before they start an album, which is really cool. Oh, that's smart. Like, yeah. like in general or like right before you record? Like It's usually right before we write a song. It'll be like, well... We'll go in the living room and just do it. And, and I say nine times out of 10, I've never met a lot of times, like I've never met some of these people. And so we'll just be laying on the couch and then 10 minutes into breath work, they're just like hysterically crying. And I'm like, oh fuck, is, is this gonna turn into like, he's gotta leave or the artist is gonna be like, write the best song of their career. It's a crazy thing. It's like a, a full human restart. Like I just restarted my computer and now there's no glitches. It's like the same way with breath work. I do yeah. breath work and there's like all the glitches just go I away. It's crazy. I love that analogy because I feel like we all, I have like 17 tabs running in my brain right now. One of them is like this yoga magazine is trying to extort me. Another one is my kid's school. Another one is this. And then what, if I laid down and did breath work, it would literally just close out all those tabs and start me over and be like, none of that shit fucking matters. And let's just get up and be present with my kids or my friends or my wife or whoever. And just love the people around me. Like that's all I have to do today. That's when how we came first... into this world. Yeah. We didn't, when we were like one, two, we didn't think, we didn't have all the details that caused us fear and weighed us down. It's like, I'm just trying, yeah, trying to reset because I'm, I'm looking back to just become that innocent, vulnerable child again, where I'm just free and lovable because I exist, not because I achieve X, Y, and Z. And I did go to the gym and I did work out. So therefore I can love and approve of myself. No, what if we love and approve of ourselves now because we're on the planet? And I, I know that you you talk people through that during the breath work, which is so good to hear. Like, yeah. I don't think we hear and nurture our brain with all these good thoughts and gives our, give ourselves the brain baths that we need because we're taking in, at least I can speak for myself. I'm taking in a lot of fear when I'm mm -hmm. opening my phone or turning on the TV or whatever. I mean, I don't have cable for a reason, but I can't always filter, you know, I can unfollow or mute as much as I can, but I also want to be hip with the times because I also need to perform and blah, blah, blah. You're talking really, about the I'm struggle right now with social media that I have. We've talked about this a bit on here because, you know, Feldy tells me I can't read the comments. People, you know, people write the f most fucked up shit on social media. And sometimes it's great. Like that you read that, oh, that's, that made me feel so good. And then you read some other thing, like you're a fucking asshat and you look like the guy from Powder or whatever. I don't care. Like I read one thing like this guy's look will keep anyone sober. And I thought it was hilarious. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it's just like it, it, the shit that's out there. And 
like, I just want to, I want to get off of it all because it makes me feel better when I'm not on it. But then at the same time, I have to be on it. That's how people find my classes. That's how people find the breath work. And a lot good comes out of it, but it's a double-edged sword. It really is. And if you watch that new documentary, The Social Dilemma, have you seen it? Oh, yeah. We're being manipulated. We're all being fucking manipulated. And it's like, it's... It's, I don't think it's good for mental health. And I worry about younger generations coming up because it's affecting me. And I didn't grow up with this shit, but it's affecting me in a negative way. And I wonder how it's going to affect younger generations who are growing up with it, right? And you, yeah, you, ha- you guys have reference. And I do too, even though I'm a little bit younger, I still at least have reference to what life was like without a cell phone and going and playing outside and actually having to learn to have the courage to connect with new people and strangers. And I have that thought process going on. And yeah, it's very worrisome to the people that, to the kids that are growing up attached to their phone and they, they're not learning you know, human skills of like how to go up to someone and how to approach someone because they, they're hiding, they're just, we're hiding and it takes courage to be like, okay, I'm going to go take a risk. And, and they're not getting the, that skill set. And then if they're looking at basically a lie, I'm doing a lot of hand movements for people that, <laughs> that probably can't see me, um, but we're hi- <laughs> they're hiding. And it, it's, it's just almost, it's again, nurturing that, that fear-based thinking and I'm, ha- I'm grateful that I have a reference point to be like, I know it's what it could be like. Yeah. I know what it was like. You touched on something earlier that I, I want to know more about because I, I mean, like I tell John Paul all the time, don't look at comments because I can read, every, like you can see the positivity, like people like love this song, great job, blah, blah, blah. It's like my brain just skips it, automatically skips it seeking out the negativity, seeking out the one comment that's going to be like, dude, you've already done that riff in another song. You're fucking caught, whatever the fuck it is. And I wake up with this default of like, it's not going to work out. You're not good enough. And so for me, like I ha- like I went for a run with my dog today. I have to be physically active first thing in the morning or my brain just takes over. And you said, how do you love yourself without like checking off the boxes? Like, how do you do that? Well, a lot of it is what do I what do I say to myself? What we say to ourselves is most important. It's everything. Language drives our behavior. And so I know that for me, I I modeled the people around me who didn't love themselves until they did X, Y, and Z. And I grew up with, you know, a father who constantly caught, he was, I'm just so stupid. I'm so stupid. And so I was like, yep, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. And then therefore I didn't get, you know, good education or whatever. And I got my way with taking tests. And then I learned about neurolinguistic programming and NLP and how language is everything. And I've had to rewire the things that I tell myself and, you know, therefore that, you know, trickles into the, the things I tell others. And so when I get that thought of, um, you know, I suck or I'm not good enough, I have to like switch it and make it sound like Mickey Mouse so that I don't take it so seriously, right? Like, don't believe everything you think. I think I've taken my thoughts so serious as if they're, they're God's words, but they're not. They're, they're, they're my limited thinking. And so I don't, I stop listening to what I'm saying. Well, I try to, I can't say that it's, you know, I, I fall privy to that too. And I think another thing is, is about the, the comments. Obviously I do the same thing. I wish that there, there were meetings for, maybe there are, for meetings for people that are on social media so that we can go around and relate. Cause even hearing you guys talk about you getting negative comments is so relaxing to me. Cause I'm like, what? Them too? I'm not alone. Cause I feel alone. Cause I'm sitting on the couch by myself looking at my negative comments, me, 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 me. But I think the comments are there to show us where we're still wounded. 
and where we yeah. haven't healed that part of ourselves yet. Cause right. Like how come some comments make us laugh? Cause we're like, Oh my God, that's so funny. That's so ridiculous. This guy thinks I look like a potato. I'm Oh my God, that's really funny. But this person says I'm gaining weight. And why the hell are they saying that I'm gaining weight? This is supposed to be a funny video. I'm not about my looks. And then I start crying. Cause I'm like, actually, I think I have been gaining weight. Oh God. It's uh, it's so I was I was looking the the other day. Someone said I look like you know Wee Man from Jackass, the the, um, the little guy. Someone said you look I look like a tall version of Wee Man, and I was like I thought it was kind of funny, but but I also I'm like fuck I you know whatever I do kind of you know what do you what do? would you that mean keep... right? And what's the story that we create is that it, if we keep leveling down and going okay, so if my head you know for me if if I am gaining weight, what would that mean? Oh, I guess it would mean that I'm not going to be as cute or not as attractive. And what would that mean? Well, that I won't be lovable. Like it always yeah. goes back to are we lovable? Yeah. Right. No, I mean listen, I went through this in my early twenties. I was probably the best looking guy you've ever seen in your life, just to be humble. And, um, and then what happened was I got alopecia and I lost all my hair and, um, and it was brutal. It was the most fucking brutal thing I ever went through because so much of my self-esteem and self-worth was wrapped up in how I looked. I was shredded. I was a trainer. I was trying to be a fitness model. I was trying to be an actor and doing groundlings and method acting and all of it. And fucking my hair is falling out in patches and I'm trying to pencil in my fucking eyebrows. And it was awful. And um, I was ready to stick a gun in my mouth. And it, it's what bottomed me out before I got sober. Like I really couldn't handle it. And I had, cause I had no tools and I thought my whole self-worth was my looks. And that was stripped away. And I completely went hairless when I was what, 26, 27 Feldy. I mean, you were there, you watched the fucking process. And it made me start to go inside like, well, if I'm not my hair, then what am I? If I'm not my looks, you know, if I'm not my looks, you know, it's just like if somebody is their whole career and they lose that career, or their whole life is their marriage, their whole self-identity is their marriage and marriage ends or whatever, then you, you're either, you know, you either kill yourself or drink yourself to death or you're forced to go inside and find deeper meaning in your life. And so I've had to let go of the looks thing. I had to let go of that pretty early on and it was pretty gnarly. It was like my first year of sobriety. It was really hard. Um, and it just made me go like, okay, I'm not, I'm not my looks. And what happened was, is I, I, I found, uh, I don't know, I just found a center inside of myself. And, and I found a different kind of confidence. It was a more authentic confidence. And it's like, if people like me for who I am, then great. And if they don't, then fuck them. They're not my people. And it's something shifted for me. And, and it was great. And then social media came along and just people just decide to kick you in the nuts every time they can. On social media, if, I could, if only I, if only I could take the hair that's growing on my back and put it on your head, you'd have a full could, head of hair. Yeah, we that would be it would be a weird looking <laughs> head of hair, but we could do that. <laughs> John Paul, John Paul used to uh, tour with my band, and I'd make him shave my back back in the in the olden days. So you've got a better gig now. Yeah, that's it's friendship. Yeah. It was yeah, shaving his back and making fucking vegan peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Have you been vegan that long? I'm not vegan oh. anymore. I, I was vegan for 15 years. I eat fish now. But yeah, I was vegan for a long time. What about you? I am not vegan, but I uh, stopped eating meat a few years back and found that it helped my, my gut because I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. 
ulcerative colitis um, when I was 17. And the doctors were like, okay, don't eat this and don't drink. And I went, screw you. I'm doing both because I need to feel okay inside. <laughs> and then and then I found that in 2017 when I stopped eating burgers and all that meat processed stuff that my life, um, that I started feeling better inside. And so I haven't gone back, but I do eat salmon. Sometimes I am not vegan, but I have beat up a few vegans <laughs> touring with Feldy. So I don't know if that counts for anything, but yeah. I you said, that. do you not eat sugar, Manon? No, I eat sugar, but I've gone in phases where I have like taken it out um, because I had over, I would over consume it and then have really bad um, emotional hangovers where I would scream and be like, ah, and I would feel so irritable. And I, so I definitely, my, one of my first addictions was sugar and overeating powdered donuts and, and Oreos and stuff. And it actually wasn't until um, I bottomed out at a, after a wedding and I had uh, a ton of they had a, like a little donut stand at the wedding. It was really cute, but it wasn't enough for me. And so after the wedding, I was like, I got to bounce out here early because I have to feed my addiction. And so I went to what's, what was, um, there was a, what was that place in Trader Joe's that was a diner, Dupar's? Oh, yeah, 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 Dupar's. You're, you're yeah, speaking so Feldy's love language with donuts. I saw, <laughs> as soon as you said donuts, Feldy was like, what? That's his love language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I went, I had to, I had to go to Dupar's, of course, and grab some more uh, donuts and cake and have myself my feast. And then the next morning I was wretched and, and my parents came by. For some reason, they both came by because they're divorced and they came by and I started screaming bloody murder like I was a six-year-old child. And they were like, looked horrified. And I realized, I think it was the amount of sugar I ate last night because this isn't normal. It messed with my hormones and bloodstream and spiking and all that stuff. And my mom, thank God, she, she had such concern. She's like, I, I don't know it. Um, it just makes me sad. And then she started tearing up and her finally was like, you know, I'm crying out for help. I actually need help. I need somebody to <clears throat> see me. And she saw me and then I got really lucky. And my NLP neurolinguistic program teacher, she did a 10 minute exercise and I have not overconsumed sugar since. Oh my God. Wow. So I, I highly recommend NLP. Yeah, because I have an obsessed I've, about it. I've, so I can I've have a cookie now and not think about it, which is a miracle. I had a coach that did a thing with me around money because I had this issue with money, and he did a whole guided you know, hypno session with NLP. And it was like a track that he recorded. And I used to listen to it all the time. And it just, it got rid of my money obsession and fear. It was crazy. I think NLP is amazing. I was on a date with a girl in the program once. And she said, I heard some stuff about you. And I was like, what did you hear? And she goes, I heard that you eat sugar and then you melt down. And I was like, oh my God, that's like a rumor going around the program that I eat sugar. And then I have a meltdown. Like, oh my, like my mother... <laughs> My mother, when I was a baby, I was allergic to milk. And instead of having formula, they gave me, my mother gave me jello on the doctor's recommendation. Like I had fucking jello instead of milk or breast milk or formula as a baby. So I, that's where my addiction starts is with sugar. And so it's still a problem for me. I'm trying to, you know, I go through phases like the, the, the roller coaster of ups and downs, but it's like, I mean, that's all I got left is a little bit of pie and, uh, and some porn. No, no porn. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the two Ps. Yeah, I 
definitely noticed this was before the NLP exercise where I would cut, I had to, you know, I have to do all or nothing. I can't do in between or I couldn't, I should say. I did a challenge online where I was like 30 days, no sugar. And I had all my, I just became the most, in, in my opinion, the most me version of Zen. Like nothing was bothering me. I didn't have any spikes. I wasn't crying. And I was like, is this why I was so dramatic as a kid? Because I was crying every at the drop of a hat as a kid and I couldn't focus and my leg was always shaking and I'd reach out in high school and middle school, I'd reach in to, and eat literally donuts from my backpack and not pay a, you know, damn attention to what anybody was saying and therefore my grades slipped and like it was always about what sugar I was going to be eating and then alcohol came and it solved my problem. <laughs> There's so much sugar and alcohol. I mean, they, they tell you when you quit drinking to have like a, a bar of chocolate in your nightstand so you can, so you can like, you know, quell the, the cravings to drink, you know, which is, you know, I remember the first time I ever went to uh, some buffet at a hotel and they had one of those chocolate um, fountains. And I was just like, I could fit my whole head in the little trough and just sit here all day, you know, or put a fountain on my, like, like those beer helmets with just a chocolate fountain. So I, I totally relate. Like there are days where I'll have my assistant go get like a dozen donuts from Randy's and I'll be like, this is the highlight of my month, like the fucking dozen donuts that are about to come come here. So I, I relate. It's gnarly. There, there are some studies that show that when you get like your um, blood sugar levels balanced, that they did on like uh, relapsing chronic relapsing alcoholics, that they got their blood sugar balanced, they got their diet dialed in, and these people, it was like a ninety three percent of them didn't relapse after that, which is crazy. Yeah. So like, you know, I know a guy who's a dietitian who swears that, you know, diet is everything when it comes to recovery. Um, but we have this idea. I have this idea, which is like, that's all I have left. You know what I mean? I, I fucking pumpkin pie with a bunch of whipped cream. It's all I got left. I can't drink. I can't do this. I can't do that. I you want my last coffee thing. Either? No, I'm having coffee right now. Are you kidding? Okay. Me? Cause have, that's, that's what I have. That's like, yeah. My Coffee Ooh. and sugar. I put coffee mate in my coffee too. I put that like, you know, shit in my coffee. But what Hey, I did a campaign for Funfetti Coffee Mate not too long ago, <laughs> two months ago. It's very nice. fun. Coffee Mate was the first time I ever experienced coffee was with Coffee Mate. And but it was the original flavor. So I actually never learned to put sugar in my coffee. And so now I actually don't like sugar in my coffee, which is no. interesting. I do Italian sweet cream and they were out of it at like four stores that my wife went to. So I went like, I went to Walmart, which I never go to Walmart because it's the, the horrible, most horrible place. And they had like one knockoff version of the Italian sweet cream. And I was like, I'm getting that. Like fucking <laughs> give me that. It's bad. That's, that's all I got left. Italian sweet cream and my coffee mate. And I still remember the first time I ever had coffee in high school, I cut class and I was smoking. I just took like all these bong hits. I went to the local diner and I just drank like black coffee. And I just remember like it, like yesterday, it was like, I just had to poop so bad. And I, I went back to class and I was sitting there holding my chair, pushing it in. Cause I'm like, that's what I remember about my first time coffee, having to poop. Dude, you, yeah, and, oh, poop, you sure. and poop, Feldy. Feldy has to poop right before he goes on stage, like every show. Like oh, yeah. Right before he has to go on stage. And I like to see that look on his face. He's running for the bathroom. <laughs> the greatest thing. Oh, dude, I can, I, I, I've learned how to be the most stealth. Like I was stuck on the fucking 10 coming over the 405, stuck in traffic. And I'm like, there's, I, there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can do. I just got out of the car, pooped A on the freeway, on got back in my car. 
on the on-ramp, on the on-ramp. I'm like, there's nothing I can do. It's just fucking time. When it's time, it's time. When you got time, out of your time. car, you put the Tesla in auto drive, and you got out and you took a poop on the, on the, the 10 ramp, the 10 to the 405. My poor, my poor Tesla has witnessed it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know if I could do that. I, I was out on a date with my wife the other night, and I, something hit me wrong. And I was like, we have to get home. And I was running red lights to get home to go to go poop that's how that's how bad i had to go like and then it gets worse as you're like running up the stairs you're like trying to unbutton your pants it almost gets worse i mean and i know this isn't what you were expected today on the podcast. <laughs> i didn't realize this was a poop podcast but sure let it let it out it's usually not usually we're going deep about like stuff but yeah my mom yeah, you know my what? mom was here last week and i went on a walk with her and my dog and I had to ditch her halfway. I was like, I gotta go. And I just ran home. <laughs> Peace. You know what, I, 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 I wanted to ask, I, I was thinking, you know, um, everyone, you know, everyone thinks they're funny, right? I mean, in the end of the day, like everyone thinks, oh, I'm, I'm a comedian. And I mean, I, first time I ever went to Germany, like as soon as the Germans start drinking, they're just like trying to crack these fucking shysa jokes like we're talking about. And it's like, what was it like the first, like you do stand up, I know, and I just want to know, I've never done stand up and I'm not, I, I don't think I'm built to do that kind of thing, but uh, what's that like preparing for that kind of thing? I got really lucky because I got introduced to it. I got suggested, I was working at Daily Grill as a, in, in the takeout area. And, and I, I had been taking improv, you know, Groundlings and Second City, which, so I, I always loved doing improv, but I was suggested to take a, a stand-up class, which I, I hadn't even thought about doing stand-up until I was six months sober. So I, I don't even know what it's like drinking on stage. I feel like I'd be, I don't know, maybe I think I'd be much funnier, but whatever, I'm grateful that I don't know what that's like. Um, I got to do a class, so I got to start anchoring myself into a positive environment with a bunch of women that were like, you're great. And so I had so much positive reinforcement. Had I not done, and then the first show was like a packed house because everybody invited everybody and every, it was just such a supportive first time. I think I did a couple of open mics and that was terrifying, but nobody was in the audience. So it didn't really matter. I just had to like do the motion of getting on stage. Um, but my first stand up set was like five minutes and it just went really well because I don't know, I think uh, of the support, right? Like I'm either gonna do a good job because I, oh, I also had someone tell me who's also sober before my show, he said something really smart that really helped me and actually I've used before every show, which was how about you say a prayer before you go on stage and ask God to um, use you as a channel and thank, god for giving you the gifts to be able to do this and sh show god and by doing your best by being like use me and i'm gonna i'm gonna say thank you for do giving me what you gave me by doing the best i can and it you know I, i've never felt like a show was about me which really helps because if it were then i would screw it all up I, I do that before every class. I ask God to work through me in the class, speak through me and open my heart and make me be vulnerable so that I can help somebody else be vulnerable and let go of something they're carrying and help them. And, uh, and it, it never doesn't work. It works every fucking time, you know, just talking. Yeah, you, it. I, you were I getting uh, emotional 
in the class that I, I was in of yours and I loved it. I was like, oh, that's sick that he's just speaking, yeah. but also getting moved. Yeah, I want to, I said this last podcast, I want to move people and I want to be moved and I want to move people. And, and the only way I can move people is if I'm moved myself. I mean, that has to come through me. So I have to find things that move me and I have to say things from my heart and I have to let it go. And I usually try and find, you know, a couple people in my class that are having an experience. I could see you, I was actually watching you and you were like, you were going through it, right? You're having an experience. And so I use that. I'm like, she's going through it. She's clearing something. Let me speak to her. And uh, it's powerful. Uh, and, you know, there, I think we can, you know, call on God for help. You know, I, I, we can call on God for help. Jim Morrison would agree, would disagree, right? He said, you cannot petition the Lord with prayer, right? Isn't that Jim Morrison, Feldy? No? If I know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Ask anyway. me about Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels. So I don't know. I went in a weird direction there, but like, you know, I, I try, I've been even more so lately. Cause I heard someone said to me, if you had a relationship where you talk to the person for two minutes in the morning and never said anything to them for the rest of the day, that wouldn't be much of a relationship. So I've been trying to connect with, you know, God, higher power, whatever you want to call it. Some kind of what I, for me, it's like a universal energy this thing, the first time I ever really felt it was when I did breath work, you know, and I was 12 years sober at the time. And I, my very first breath work session, I felt this thing. I felt connected to a God, to the people around me, to the trees, to everything. I felt the connectedness and I, and, and it was as real as wanting to, you know, kill someone on the 405 freeway that just cut me off. It was undeniable. It was real. And I, and I it changed my life that very first session. You and said, don't, text your ex but i did <laughs> <laughs> i was talking to you too you're like don't text your ex you know because you start feeling so open you're like i'm not mad at anybody everybody's love i see that they were just in pain and so i texted i i well i sent an email with like i love you i forgive you and i was like whatever i know he told me not to do this but but I didn't know if it was directed straight at me, but it was actually really nice because he was No, just I like, say that I say that every class, but forgiveness, yeah. you have we have to forgive people because it releases us from the past, right? Yes. It's not for it's not for them, it's for us because that resentment, which we all know, like you know, drinking poison, waiting for the other person to die, resentment comes from the Latin term to relive again. We keep reliving this fucking resentment over and over inside of us. Yeah. And, you know, it's just not healthy. And so that's, I, that's one of the chapters in my book is, is completely about that. I went, I got married, I had my wedding uh, a little over a year ago and I write about my experience about how magical it was and how meeting him was like a fairy tale. And we were gonna, it felt like a movie. And every time we told people our stories, they would get chills and I would get chills. And he was born on the day my parents got married to the day. And it was just like all these beautiful things and the wedding was gorgeous. And then a month later, it all went to shit. And I was, I got information that uh, the per person I married wasn't as honest as I would have thought they would be. And all this information started coming out and I started realizing like, oh my God, my life. And I didn't marry who I thought. And this was, it was horrific. It was actually the worst experience of my life, um, which propelled me to write the book. So it was kind of a good thing, right? And now I have a deeper understanding and a deeper compassion. And thank God for the eight years of spiritual uh, knowledge that I learned because when shit hit the fan, and he broke down and started, you know, 
facing his, his pain and his lies or whatever, my first thought was, oh, he must be in so much pain to have done these things. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not me. That's, that's clearly God's. And I held the space for him the first 48 hours and let him cry. And I saged him and I was like, oh, he, he hasn't faced, he hasn't faced his pain yet. And I mean, clearly, because a person who does certain actions hurt people, hurt people, right? Yeah. And, and that was the chapter of the book where I go, may I not let another person's pain close my heart off to the world? Because that's what I think a lot of people do is they generalize and they go, oh, well, this guy hurt me. So all men suck. And I'm just going to not be in a relationship. And it's like generalizing is so dangerous. And, and may I start praying for him? Like I was taught, I'm going to pray for him for two weeks. I'm going to set the boundary and I'm going to start taking care of myself and not look at it as it was personal to me, but look at it as, you know, he was in pain. And cause that's the truth is, is the people yeah. that are commenting, they're in pain and they're like, yeah. I just need to be seen, just see me and just hear that's me some, and just love the parts of me that hurt. That's some next level stuff right there where somebody betrays you so badly, like as bad as it can be. And then you can still step back and go, you know, this really hurt. And, but I don't want to close my heart. It's really hard to keep your heart open after that. You know, I've had, people do that to me. I've had like people, I, someone I helped and then they turned around and, and totally stole my thing, you know, like my whole training, my thing. And like, just, and I was helping this person. Like I did nothing but help this person and they just betrayed me. And then you're just going, Oh, the betrayal and the anger. And then the resentment, the justify resentment, just churning around and like, so what? So am I never going to help anybody anymore? Am I never going to let somebody love me? Or am I never going to open my heart and love somebody else? Because that's not how I want to live my life, right? Yeah. And seeing it as a gift, too. Like, I never thought, I can't say I never thought because it was just a year ago. So had I, I think I had to learn so much more about myself. And I've learned discernment. I've learned what to look out for. I've learned to take my time, right? If it's urgent, it's not spiritual. And the whole thing in the beginning felt very urgent. And like, oh my God, I found my my, the person I've been searching for for 30 years, like I always felt like I was growing up looking for this other half or this yeah. other person. Like I never cared about career. I didn't care about anything but finding, you know, the one. And I always felt like I was at a party being like, are you him? Are you him? Are you him? Are you her? I didn't know who it was. And I just- Did you discover that I, you're the one? Yes. That's, the, that's literally the last sentence of my book is, the truth is I'm the one. Yeah. And I will find- Someone people don't want to hear that people don't want to they don't want to fucking hear that like that you have to be the one you have to love yourself like that's the one stop searching for something outside of yourself right we, we learned that in the program that like there's nothing that's going to fix me from the outside in it's all an inside job and i got and i still think it's a person it's a car it's a bigger house it's this career and then you get those fucking things trophy. and they last like a day yeah, they, you get the thing and then you're like, oh, that falls good, but it's not enough. So let me look for the next thing. And then, I, and then we wire our neurology to set up to chase a feeling rather than actually experiencing it. Because yeah. joy and, and enthusiasm and love and gratitude is we, it's at our disposal now at any time when we just, you know, like you do get quiet and breathe through it and go, oh, here it is. I didn't even know all this shit and all this fear was in the way. All these thoughts were in the way of me experiencing bliss. 
They say um, that, you know, we can either be in quarantine with a good attitude or a bad attitude. So which one do I want to have? It's like I can either be negative and complain about the situation that we're in, or I can be grateful that I get to spend time with my kids and that I actually have a roof over my head, that I've got a job that I can still do. I'm so grateful for that, you know? And I was thinking about the conversation that we're having about how we bring God into the equation. And I was thinking about how many people still like really connect the word God with, you know, Jesus or like religion, religion. and all yeah. that. And, and, um, I was producing panic of the disco years ago and Oh my God. I just have to go like this. I'm, I'm like, this, I, I, that's my whole high school was panic of the disco. Yeah. He, he may be the greatest singer of, of this generation, Brendan Urie. And, and he's a devout atheist. And it's like, uh, we would have these conversations about what is, you know, he's like, you know, we, we come from nothing, you know, we're, we're going nowhere. It's just like this, you know, it, this is it. This is the life that we have. And there is no, there can't be some, you know, all seeing higher power. And we would have these discussions. And I'm like, how can you look at a tree and not think like something, you know, there is some meaning to all this. And what is God? Because I don't know what God is. I'm just one little piece of this huge puzzle with, you know, gravity and the moon and the universe and, you know, Game of Thrones and everything that exists. Every single thing that exists is part of this whole puzzle, you know? So what is it, you know, and what is it to you? And how do you like it? When you say you pray, do you have something specific that you pray to? Just love. It's all, to me, it's so, inter God is so interchangeable with love. I didn't grow up religious at all, but it was, it was my, um, mentor sponsor leader whatever that was basically like go to the ocean and tell it to stop moving it doesn't care what you little man and eight billion people on the planet like we can say what we're going to say but the earth is going to do what it's going to do because it's so powerful way more powerful more powerful than than you and so when i pray it's just to an energy it's like it's like the energy of love like it's just to get out of my little small limited brain limited thinking mind because i don't know what's best because i can only see so much the world sees far more than i could ever see so let me give over to that and and see what happens and usually when i let go like i do this analogy of swimming in the ocean and thinking oh my god if i just need to swim over there because i think that's my destination over there but i'm tiring myself out and I'm, my arms are getting tired from swimming because i feel like i'm swimming against the current if i just relax and take it easy and just put my arms back the ocean will float me to a far better place than I had vision to. And then I'll be less tired too. It's always, my life has, has shown me as long as I'm not putting like putting a bunch of poison and trying to control all my thoughts and all my emotions at all times, like there's always something better. It's either like I've got something better planned for you or not yet for the idea of getting what I want. And always, every time in my life, it's worked out so much better than I can possibly imagine. I was just thinking like I had no kind of work lined up in my, you know, my higher power a lot of times is work. You know, it's just, I'm addicted to work. I'm a workaholic. And the idea of supporting my family is what I always go to. Like, if I can't support my family, I'm a failure, you know, which is a lie, like we talk about, like, it's just all a lie, but it's still where my brain goes to when I get negative like that. And, you know, I didn't have workbook for the next month and a half. And then all of a sudden, this, this artist that I had worked with five years ago, moved into my neighborhood in an Airbnb for the next two months. And he's like, dude, let's write music. It just happened like that. It just happened. 
unexpectedly. And that's the way my life has always been. Like something comes that I can't even imagine. It just happens. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah we can't plan. It, it really like the universe is doing it right for us. Cause you couldn't have said, I know this artist is going to move to, you know, into an Airbnb. Like you couldn't have created that because you didn't, you couldn't see it. I didn't even know what fucking breathwork was eight and a half years ago. Like I didn't, I'd never even heard of breathwork. I didn't know what it was. Somebody told me to go to this breathwork thing and go lay down and breathe. And now if, you know, if we had live classes, I would be standing at a church or wherever with a fucking gong behind me, you know, with a breath teaching 250 people breathwork. I could not have foreseen that there was, it didn't, it didn't even exist in my brain in my realm of possibility that I would someday be a breathwork teacher that would be helping people and getting up there and crying in front of a room of 300 people or whatever. It just didn't, it wasn't on my radar. It wasn't th- in the realm of possibility. Thank God that you followed that intuition because look how many people it's helped myself being one of them because I, so on the side, I do life coaching or whatever. And I've been leading one by one doing all the NLP stuff, some breath work where they're having transformation. They've never heard of it. So by you listening to the spirit, you're leading all these other people, me from eight years ago, I've taken it. And then, and then social media, we can look at it as a curse or a gift. It really is a gift because I saw my friend, um, Allie, who just, I think she got certified from you. And then you became in my consciousness again. And now you're on my social media. And then I got to take a class with you and get reminded and have a call with my dad on the phone who's stressing out. And I'm like, why don't you lay down and here, let me, let me teach you a technique with some music, put on some music, you know, and it's like, it's spreading the love and the healing is spreading because of it, you know, because you couldn't have created a breath work had you not lost your hair. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I, I, uh, yeah, it's true. It, it's like one thing connects to the other, connects to the other, and it only makes sense. I think it was Steve Jobs that said that your life only makes sense looking back. It only makes sense looking back. Like he took a font class in college, Steve Jobs did. And it was like, why was he taking a font class? But that's the font that we have in Apple. And it's like, you just didn't make sense when he took the class. And it's incredible, you know, his design and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I don't know. I just, it's it's changed my life in so many ways. I, I, when I first went to breathwork, it was weird. It was hippie. It was woo woo. There was like eight people in the room, and there was crystals and oils, and it was fucking awful. And I just went, you know, I was doing a session, and I went, if somebody taught this like Tony Robbins style, because I met Tony Robbins and he changed my life. He was incredible. And if I was like somebody did this like Tony Robbins style, if I did this as myself, like being funny and edgy in Boston, and be like, I know this is wicked weird, but uh, just lay down and fucking do it anyways and you're going to have this transformation if i like taught it that way then i think i'd have like 300 people in the room and it took a long time to get there but that's what happened i mean i saw that i had a vision in one of my own breathwork sessions i don't ever talk about this i had a vision in my session it was like an early session where i was on a stage and i had people pulling moments in their heart and this was never part of the breathwork classes that i took in the beginning from other people and cut to, I was on a stage and I had people pulling moments in their heart. And I remembered that breathwork session, that vision that I had. Because when I, when I had it, I was like, why would I be doing that? Like, why would I have people pu- pulling moments in their heart? And I added that to breathwork because the original breathwork sessions that I was doing, people would be, they would just get up afterwards and they would be like, what the fuck happened? That was weird. And, you know, and I wanted people to f- connect to gratitude and to connect to love. And that's actually N- some NLP, that's anchoring, right? I've got people anchoring these moments in their heart. Heart. 
And so I wanted people to leave grounded in gratitude and love and what really fucking matters because everything else is just a distraction. It's just fucking bullshit. All the stuff we get caught up in, the money and the cars and the houses and the career and the thing, it's all just a distraction. And all that really matters is those moments that we put in our heart, those moments that we stack in our hearts with the people that we love, you know? I have a, I have a, I totally hear that. And I love that. And I think it adds a whole other layer of love and coming back to like, you know, the, I think the trick for me is to um, keep coming back to the breath work as it, as if it's as important as exercise or eating clean. Cause it's, it's, you gotta re get rid of that old, old stuck energy. And I have a video that's viral of me dancing at a UPW of Tony Robbins. You do? I'm the, the WAP, I'm the original, well, I'm not the original WAP dancer, but WAP, you know, that's <laughs> that song that I hate so much of them. Yeah, me humping the ground and dancing. And they, I've done you, I've done two um, Unleash the Powers within and both times. They're like, you get to the stage. And I don't know if you've been, but probably. And I went with Dave Destiny. I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan. Huge. So huge. I, I met Tony, I don't, I don't think I've ever told the story on the show, Feldy, have I? I met Tony. I was with Matthew Perry, who you know. Like we, I actually met you when I was with Matthew Perry, right? One time. Me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We met. When I met you I guys the same day, yeah. Yeah, we were hanging out together, and uh, we met you. We ran into you. And so Matthew and I were following the LA Kings around one season, and it happened to be the season that they won the Stanley Cup. And so we had been following them, like literally flying around to games and watching the Kings play. It was incredible. And – it was the final, it was the final game where they were going to win the cup. And it was this little VIP room underneath the Staples Center. And every celebrity in Los Angeles is in there, like Vince Vaughn and Will Ferrell and Zac Efron and all these people. And in walks Tony Robbins. And I go, holy shit. I turn to Matthew. I go, holy shit, it's Tony Robbins. And he goes, really? The Kings are about to win the fucking cup. Every celebrity in Los Angeles is in here and you're excited about a gigantic man right now. And I'm like, yeah, he's amazing. He's helped all these people. And he's like, well, go tell him. I'm like, no, I'm not going to be that guy to him that everybody annoys you and I was walking back through the tunnel and Tony was on his phone and he looks up and he goes hey man what's going on and I was like okay I never do this but I'm a huge fan I love your I've read your books and he goes have you ever been to my seminar I go no he goes well I only do three domestically a year but I'd love it if you come next month and be my VIP guest at UPW and I was <gasps> like you're kidding me yeah and so he gave me his secretary's information and he comped me and I was like high-fiving him from the side of the stage this was you know this was and then right after that is when I found breathwork. Like I started, it was crazy. It was a crazy journey. So I, when I started doing breathwork, I was doing Tony Robbins and breathwork at the same yeah, time. You, this, the music that I've been, I, since I found it at Tony, you used it at the end yeah. of the, oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah. That shit will make me cry every time because I'm anchored yeah. to it. Yep. Of a couple of years back at one of the things where he's like, have your hand on your heart or whatever. I, well, um, Tony so does good. those moments, right? So Tony was doing the moments at UPW and I had just had a screenwriting deal fall apart. Like I was in development with um, Ron Howard and Brian Grazier, uh, Imagine, right? On a screenwriting deal and it fell apart. And I, before that I had a million dollar deal fall apart and I got fucking nothing. And I was so frustrated and so angry at Hollywood. I had a screenplay stolen from me and made into a movie and there was nothing I could do about it. And I, so, I was so angry and I was doing the, I went to the Tony Robbins and we jump up and down and then we're doing the moments. And I just, I had a moment where I saw two kids and I, a girl and a younger boy and I never wanted children my whole life. And something shifted inside of me. And I was like, I think I want to have kids. 
And then I had another moment where I realized that my gift is just helping people. And I'm going to let go of Hollywood and like let go of the writing and the show and all the stuff. And, and I had sold a show and we did a pilot and it didn't get picked up and all the shit. And I just let it all go. And I was like, I'm just going to help people because at the end of my life, my life will have been worthwhile because I will have changed people's lives. However, that's supposed to look like. And I came back and that's when I found breath work. And like, that was the tool. Like, they, like, I feel like God provided me the tool. Like, this is the tool you're going to use to help people. And I said to my wife, I didn't say, I didn't speak for four days. And she was like, the first time she ever got to talk in our relationship, I think. And then, and then I said to her, I think I want to have kids. And she's like, what? I was like, yeah, I don't know. I had this vision at the Tony Robbins thing. And I saw these two children and my children look just like the thing, like the vision. It's crazy. And wow. that has been my greatest source of love. And I don't recommend children for everyone because it's really hard. It's a lot of work. But it, it, for me, it's been everything I didn't want in my life has been really good for me. You know, I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to have kids. I want to do breath work. I want to do any of this shit. And when I don't, like, I just don't know what's good for me. When I do the things that I don't want to do, that's when I change. That's when my life changes. It's just that way, you know? 100%. So, Manon, at the end of these episodes, we like to do a little questionnaire, right? A few questions. And if you, you can say skip or whatever, what uh, would you rather hurt somebody's feelings or have somebody hurt your feelings? I would rather hurt somebody's feelings. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. I like, I like both. Because I think there's a, I think if you're feeling hurt, it's an opportunity for spiritual growth. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen in someone's house? Oh, <laughs> I don't. You can pass. That's fine. I've seen like a, a person who like had a ton of pickles. I hate pickles, and so like they have like jars of pickles, and I'm like, oh god, that's weird. Okay, what's your most embarrassing moment? When I peed in fourth grade on picture day in my classroom, and all the kids had to clean it up. Oh god, that sounds awful. Uh, what superpower would you most like to have, and why? Um, I love the idea of flying. I think it would feel really good getting my face hit with wind and getting to go places fast and to see a different viewpoint. Okay, good. Uh, and then uh, if you could make a, a rule or a law that everyone had to follow, what would it be? To utter only honesty. Ooh, that's a good one. Last one. I think you, you'll like this one. What character from a TV show or a movie do you dislike the most? Dislike is such an interesting okay. question. Okay, well then, well you can say, who do you like the most? Like, what's your favorite character in a TV show or a movie? I really liked uh, The Mask. Jim Carrey in The Mask? No, I mean Jim Carrey and everything, but there's something about The Mask and how it's the whole, you know, uh, metaphorical. I really, but I like what he becomes when he's The Mask, because he just makes fun of everything. I really, I like making fun of things, meaning making light of a heavy situation to dissolve yeah. pain, I think is really cool. He's become um, an incredible spiritual, like, just, he's just so huge and spiritual. His speech really at, at school is just one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah, he's, on, he's, on, he's on another level right now. Yeah. This has been amazing today. I could talk to you for hours. This has been like the most fun podcast we've had yeah. ever. And it's I loved like it.